We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. And joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are uh, you? Why did I say that so weird? Okay. Uh, I'm doing good. I don't know if Steven's grammar is doing good, but uh, I'm here. I'm going to speak a little bit louder because I turned down my volume in, in response to bird complaints. Uh, so let's uh, <laughs> let's see if this works. I don't know. The audience will tell us. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, we'll troubleshooting on the fly. So Tyler is here as well, man. Tyler, how are you doing? I do good. Why waste time? Say lot word when a few word when do few trick. Word do- yeah, he got it. <laughs> My grammar was fine, man. I just said dying instead of doing. I don't know why it came out that way, but it wasn't You're the good. grammar. I was just... not. You are oh, all Oh, we know good. it's never the grammar with you. <laughs> <laughs> grammar sometimes off. I'm not perfect. It's all good, but... Uh, <laughs> Have a fun uh, show planned for you guys today. We're going to talk about Brandon Staley's press conference. Uh, there wasn't really a ton from the players to take away, but uh, you know, apparently Justin Herbert is lifting a lot still, which is great. Uh, you know, I love that we're those are the questions that we're two. asking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about some of the takeaways from Brandon Staley's press conference, and then we're going to uh, do a tier ranking list of the Chargers' offensive uh playmakers if you will the, the key pieces you know kind of depending on, on how we view those players and their standing around the league so uh gonna be a fun one before we get started tyler has uh the comment up at the very top of the chat i don't know if it's pinned or not i don't know if you can do that until after the fact but 
uh, up at the very top of the chat a link to uh, the the link that you need to become a member on YouTube for our show. We really appreciate all the extra, extra support there. Uh, it has some great benefits, so check that out. Uh, later today, I'm going to be posting a giveaway that is... Thank you, Tyler. Always on top of it, posting it in the chat right there. Uh, later tonight, I'm going to be posting a giveaway exclusively for people who support us on Patreon and YouTube in that fashion. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. All right. So, um, yeah, as Sam points out, Justin Herbert is up to 246 pounds, which I felt like he was already that weight, but whatever. Um, so we're going to talk about some of Brandon Staley's press conference takeaways today. I think the one that kind of caught a lot of attention, at least according to my interactions on Twitter, and of course, Alex's name today, is the lack of an appearance by Mr. Jerry Tillery. Um, you know, Brandon Staley was also asked about where Tillery stands within the defensive tackle room, and I thought it was really telling to how he put that, especially because of what we had heard about how Tillery was viewed within the building, and not just by the GM, but also by the coaching staff. And the way that he explained it is that they have players who are already proven players who are already mm -hmm. established players in the NFL. And he would put Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson in that category. And then they also have players who are not established and who are trying to prove themselves. And that's the category that he put Jerry Tillery in and others. He didn't really mention other players, of course, because he was specifically asked about Jerry Tillery. So Tyler, what did you make of that comment specifically? And what did you make of Jerry Tillery not showing up to the start of OTAs today? I thought it was very refreshing. And let's go back to the Jerry Tillery thing, him not showing up. I don't know what everyone expected when you have a player who's told that they can sit out the entire preseason and has 80 whatever percent of the snaps, the fourth most on defense, the most on the defensive line, gets to play that many snaps, with no competition and his job is just all there for him unopposed. And then people are kind of surprised that he didn't show up to OTAs. Yeah. Well, like he's had his, like Tillery had a phenomenal camp. You, oh, great. Coach says I had a phenomenal camp. That's awesome. <laughs> I get the preseason off and I get to play the most snaps. I'm doing something well. What a great plan. So it's not a real surprise to me that he didn't show up. I'm not saying that that's Staley's fault. I'm not saying that Tillery's arrogant, but it doesn't surprise me given where he was standing last year that said this change to this year it's so refreshing to hear that they have camp uh, camp battles excuse me or it sounds like again it could be bs but it sounds like there's going to be camp battles we heard as much when we they first signed morgan fox we talked about that morgan fox is going to be competing for that job and now for for Staley to come out and say that yeah we're trying to find our starters we have some proven guys and he did mention Khalil Mack is another one. I don't think he mentioned Joey Bosa, but that's kind of a no duh. It's it's so refreshing to hear this. I, I we we kind of knew about it. We knew about the bad stuff last year and the lack of competition, the no accountability, players yeah. wanting true competition. Now we see them bringing in depth for competition. We hear internally that they're going to be competing more, and that's the expectation. Now we hear from the coach himself. There's going to be competition. It's a big step forward for this organization. I just need to see it. And I hope if Tillery still wins the job, I'm not going to say there was no competition that I'm, I'm assuming there is competition, but I, I really want to see on the field that there are, there's a legit competition among everybody that's not named, you know, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Cleo Mack, and those guys. Yeah. I think if you're talking about legit competition, 
then obviously it helps to have a player that can actually do that. So if he had said this before they had signed Morgan Fox, I'd have been like, okay, like who's yeah. he competing with? <laughs> you know, Joe Gaziano right. is, is a cool story and all. And I think that he's, you know, potentially an underrated player, if you will. But, uh, you know, now that you have Morgan Fox there, a player who can, you know, legitimately make an argument that he's more productive than Jerry Tillery and been that way for the last two seasons, even in, you know, Carolina where he was kind of rotating between edge a little too often. You know, you have a player who's who's been there, done that, as opposed to him competing with, you know, Joe Gaziano and, and um, Andrew Brown type of players. So, you know, this is a really important season for Jerry Tillery, of course, and this is an important season for, for Brandon Saley to kind of, you know, rectify those changes and be able to show like, hey, man, like we are a deep team. This was our goal. And I think everything looks good on paper. But as somebody pointed out earlier, you know, if we walk out into the season and Jerry Tillery is playing 700, 800 snaps again, it's like, okay, well, what was the point of all these additions? (laughs) So similar to you, I feel like we have to see it, but, you know, we can actually, at least it feels like it means something more this year um, in that regard, because they have a player like Morgan Fox, they drafted Otito, they, they brought back Mm -hmm. Christian Covington. You know, there, there are bodies there that I can, okay, like I can actually see that being the case in training camp. So it's a positive takeaway. I don't necessarily think that it changes a ton, but, you know, they put their money where their mouth was and they have actual competition for him is, is the good the good thing, obviously. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, uh, uh, I was just going to say, uh, you put your money where your mouth is in that respect, and they also put their their they didn't put their money with their mouth as in regards to, you know, not yeah. picking up Tillery's fifth year option. Right. And so that I think is, you know, if we're talking about why Tillery is not super motivated to go to OTAs. Um, I, I mean, I would imagine that's kind of part of it. Yeah. On, on one hand, you would say not being there should be motivation for him to be there to have some breakout season. But like, if he ultimately knows that he's not going to be a charger pass this year, there is kind of part of that where I think he's just like, probably not super motivated to show up super uh, early update uh that's just me but yeah no i mean and, and like tyler said they went into last year with tillery as a presumed starter right they didn't make him play any of the preseason to earn any of his reps obviously still a less deep team last year than what you're going into this year um but you know this kind of reads like a team that was hoping for that third year leap from jerry tillery so to speak uh and then didn't get it right and then brand silly very much laid out hey these are the proven players these are the unproven players and put tillery into the unproven category as a result um so i think the coaching staff in a sense has has seen enough of tillery they they kind of know what he is obviously still going to be a little player on this defense right i don't think there's any world where he plays less than 600 to 700 staff in you know the worst case scenario for injuries and and all that or worst case scenario for his role even um but in terms of how they view him for the future in terms of how they view him for this year um it's a stark contrast compared to what they viewed him as going into last year both comments made by uh staley and telesco by this point kind of changing their tune yeah i I do have to say though like OTAs are voluntary, like just for anybody who's about sure. to say that, like, oh, it doesn't, you know, I get it. It's voluntary. It's just like Stephen pointed out on Twitter. If I were a guy who had three, four, five bodies brought in to basically replace me and my fifth year option declined, I'd probably show up to these. Also, <laughs> thank you for some of the new members. Greg just yeah. joined. Ethan just joined. I really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think that's my thing. Is like I, I'm not gonna hold somebody, you know, accountable for missing OTAs, but like you got to be an elite player, man. Like J.C. Jackson, Austin Eckler, Joey Bosa, like that's the kind of player that's not at OTAs. You know, Jerry Tillery, like you don't have any excuses, man. And like, of course, I'm not gonna be like, well, he should be cut because he didn't show up to OTAs. But you know, there, there, there's levels to this because I think you know he might perceive himself as that kind of player, and he might perceive himself as as very safe on the roster, but it's like, man, they added a lot of pieces to this defensive tackle room. I'd kind of want to, you know, start off, you know, the first day, if you will, on a hot note. And I know that he was there um, during the workout process and things like that, but it's like, this is the first time that your coaching staff is going to have like a real look in a practice setting at your whole group, because he's the only one missing. Like he was the only player that was not there. And so I don't know if he had a travel issue like J.C. Jackson did. That's why J.C. wasn't there. But I, I, I don't really think Jerry has a, a legitimate excuse. I'm just going to go out on a limb and, and say that he just decided not to show up today. Yeah, and I know Jay Rogers I mean, uh, knows him, but it's not a great way to endear yourself to a new interior. I know it's the same guy, just switched over, but it's not a good right. way to endear yourself to a, a new interior defensive line coach who wants to put his stamp and wants to put his guys out there. Yeah, um, I'll just say uh, I don't have much else to say. Artillery is my lawyers have advised me against it, but if they took out ten point eight million out of my bank account uh, in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three, I'd probably be pissed too. So I'll sympathize with Artillery <laughs> a little bit. I'm sure he's a little salty for sure. Um, yeah. All right. So the other thing that, of course, is you know at least noteworthy, at least in terms of being news, uh, Brandon Staley was asked about Kenneth Murray. He said that he's progressing well. And that he does expect Kenneth Murray to be back at full speed in time for training camp. Of course, that doesn't mean he will be back as a full participant in training camp or a scrimmage or anything like that. Uh, but Brandon Staley said that basically Murray will be able to run and have full range of motion and be healthy at the time that training camp starts. So, um, again, we'll kind of wait and see how that one pans out. But uh, it was good to hear that Kenneth Murray uh, is kind of back on track, at least, you know, trending in the right direction because, you know, even though last year was kind of, well, not kind of, it was a disappointment, you know, you can kind of justify it from his perspective because of the injuries and things like that. So if they're able to get healthy Kenneth Murray back and they're able to get him mentally right, then I think, you know, we could see him bounce back this year. But uh, again, this is another player who is a very has a very important season at hand in front of him. Yeah, a lot of people are mentioning, you know, okay, the light bulb came on for Tom Telesco in Tillery's now fourth season. When will that happen with Kenneth Murray? I really think this is it. Like, this is the year. Not that they're going to cut or trade him or whatever, but I, I think this is it. If he's healthy, he's a linebacker, replaceable. Again, first-round picks, so I guess the contract makes things iffy, but I think they're just going to, like, this is it for him. But I'm so happy to hear that he is entering the year or will enter the year healthy enough to play week one and be healthy week one, barring any setbacks. For a pretty significant-looking injury at the scrimmage at FanFest. Everyone was holding their breath. He was down trying to tackle like, Jared Cook out of bounds. He was really hurting and didn't cross to even to back to his, his sideline, the, the defensive sideline, because they were split that game. He didn't even cross over until you know, the end of the scrimmage. So he really was banged up to start the year. Then he got hurt against the Raiders in week four. So hopefully with everything now behind him or that we will be behind him, hopefully he can have that breakout season that we expect from him or hope from him, I should say. 
Yeah, no, I would hope that Kenneth Murray has that kind of breakout season that we would want from him. Um, like Tyler mentions with the contract, because he is a first-round pick, I mean, they're going to have to decide on his fifth-year option, much like they decided on Jerry Tillery's fifth-year option this year. Um, obviously, a little bit more complicated because he's a linebacker. Is that a position where you want to pick up a fifth-year option kind of anyway, right, with the amount of contracts and money that they've given out? Um, you know, is he a player that you want long-term on your roster? I think 2022 We'll go a long way towards uh, determining that. And so, no, it's a big year for Kenneth Murray. Um, and so the fact that he will, you know, be healthy for training camp for, you know, just going forward is, uh, I think, incredibly important. But he's probably also a player that uh, you probably want to hold out of the preseason just because of injury risk. Also, um, I, you know, we'll see. Uh, how healthy he is for for that portion, but I, I would imagine that he's not going to play too many preseason snaps. Also, because they're fairly thin at linebacker as well, so um, I, I'm hopeful that Kenneth Murray is kind of returns to that 2020 form uh, that he had in Gus Bradley's defense, and that last year we can just put behind us as an aberration. But, but uh, I think we've seen enough to say that it wasn't quite an aberration, despite the injuries, uh, at least so far. So. Uh, hoping for the best. If he's healthy, he's healthy. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a lot of comments going around right now. Like, whatever you th think now of Kenneth Murray, like, I think his rookie season was, was typically what you see of a rookie linebacker. And, you know, I think our expectations of first-round rookie players have been very skewed because of guys like Rashawn Slater and Derwin James and, and, of course, Justin Herbert and Joey Bosa. But... You know, playing linebacker, and, and even when you're going from, you know, a simple scheme or into a simple scheme like the Chargers, like he was asked to do so many different things than what he was doing at Oklahoma. And we were all legitimately excited. Like, I, I think everybody who was saying, like, oh, he was fine, he was okay. I guarantee you, I could go find some receipts about on your Twitter page about how excited you were about Kenneth Murray heading into last summer. So I think there's a lot of give and take here in this specific situation. And I think a lot of the criticism is very warranted about the way that he played last year. But, you know, given the circumstances of his injury, of his brother dying, which I think doesn't necessarily get talked about enough, I think you can make an, an argument that why he played the way he did is very understandable. And so I, I'm, I've kind of taken a step back here. I know I was very critical of the way that he played and the way that he was used last year. But and that's another thing that kind of would you know sway an argument of him not necessarily being at peak performance was he got thrown at edge rusher in the middle of the season. So it, it just was not in the cards for him to have a great breakout season last year. And I hope that is the case this year, because if, if he doesn't man, then like, what are we doing at linebacker next year? Cause Drew Tranquil's a free agent. Troy Reader's a free agent. You know, you have undrafted free agent, Eamon Ogbong-Wamiga. You have Nick Neiman, who's kind of a special teams only player. So if Kenneth Murray doesn't hit next year, then the Chargers are in big, big trouble for the linebacker position. So um, I think he needs to hit for himself, and I think he needs to hit for the team. Absolutely. Uh, I Spoiler alert for the mailbag, I do have him as my breakout candidate this year, which kind of feels Jerry Tillery-ish, but it doesn't. <laughs> like I, I do feel like there's enough there, and especially given the extreme circumstances, he's going to be much better and still he talks about we just talked about the established guys in this league that are going to be playing in front of him now no offense like Linval joseph or justin jones or whatever but if it is fox and if it is it will be sebastian joseph day and it is austin johnson and it is khalil mack 
that's so much better. That's a much better, much better situation for him next year. Yeah, I mean, and Justin Jones was he missed essentially from week two to week 10. So he was playing in front of or behind Christian Covington most of the time, which was just an abject disaster. Even are you planning on a Kenneth Murray breakout player article this year? <laughs> Am I or anyway, is Tyler? Uh, I want to just do a video. I was referring to your artillery breakout uh, piece from a few years ago, but um, no. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, I, I think the thing that you kind of hope for, and we sort of talked about this with usage, is that because you have Kyle Van Noy, uh, and because you you know have all these players that you brought on defense, that hopefully Kenneth Murray just can be a linebacker, right? He can just kind of do the one thing that he's supposed to do. And, you know, obviously the Staley defense kind of prides itself on versatility, but I think simplifying things for Kenneth Murray would, you know, help him a lot, uh, considering he's been <laughs> thrown around an edge, thrown around, uh, you know, into too many situations. I think reverting back to a little bit of what he was under Gus Bradley, obviously while playing in the Brandon Staley system, I think that's kind of what you want to see from him in 2022. Um, obviously give and take with how much we'll end up seeing that. Uh, and, you know, that'll depend on how healthy he is and how well he'll play. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that the resources are there, like we've said, for him to have the breakout season, matter of, you know, whether his health holds up and whether he's able to take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, I think you almost want to see him get into kind of like a Denzel Perriman role where he yeah. only well, plays early runs down, rundowns, he blitzes. You're not asking him to do a ton of coverage. And I think they have the pieces to do that. Like, I think with him, Drew Tranquil and Troy Reader, if, you know, those three players are healthy and depending how much they actually like Eamon Ogbamiga, then I think you have, uh, of course, along with Nick Neiman, and I think you have the players where you don't have to ask Kenneth Murray to be a three-down player and have to put him in all these situations. And ideally, don't put him in one-on-one uh, -on -one coverage situations at the end of the game in, in Week 18 in a must-win situation. Um but we'll see, man. We'll see how he progresses. As long as he's healthy, then I think he will be better than last year at minimum. So, um, you know, good thing to see there. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and then we can kind of get to things that you guys wanted to talk about. But the last thing that I want to talk about from Brandon Staley's thing is, is his specific comment about Bryce Callahan. And I thought it was interesting that he mentioned specifically that Callahan was signed in Denver to play on the outside and not necessarily be signed as an inside slot corner because he said they had Chris Harris there in the slot and they didn't want to move Chris Harris, so they signed Bryce Callahan to be an outside corner. Again, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case with the Chargers given kind of their, their setup, but I think this kind of plays into the amount of flexibility that they can have with him, with Asante Samuel Jr., and of course, with Michael Davis, who is very much in the mix, according to Brandon Staley as well. So, um, again, another position room that they should have legitimate competition. Um, but yeah, man, him him saying that they signed Callahan specifically to play outside was very interesting to me today. Interesting. I, di I didn't catch that part. So that's fantastic. If they want to throw him outside every once in a while, great. Yeah. Largely talking about getting to a point where the defense just has more options, right? And if you have the ability to keep him in the slot, you know, when you want to keep him in the slot or ASJ moves to the slot for, you know, a, a down or they move back to the outside, right? I think just having three guys, four guys that can play the outside pretty effectively and let's say two players that can play the slot pretty effectively, like that's, 
that I think is a recipe for success and ultimately what Brandon Staley wants um, in this kind of defensive setup. So, you know, I think, you know, obviously a lot of that is going to depend on in the same way in the Kenneth Murray conversation, whether Bryce Callahan can stay healthy or not, uh, given his history. But uh, I, I think the ability to play the outside is probably an underreported on thing or something that we just didn't talk about because, you know, <laughs> of our history with Harris where we just went, oh, okay, he's gone. So now this guy comes in and he's slot. <laughs> but, you know, he was actually outside in Denver because Chris Harris was there. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, you know, the the point being, I think that Staley is mentioning here is that he really values that kind of flexibility. And so I think if you head into the season with just JC, Michael Davis, and Asante, and then kind of the depth pieces, then you you have to play Asante in the slot, essentially. And so now he, he's going to be able to head into the season and kind of mix and match the players and, um, you know, be able to you know, have legitimate competition. So you have four guys that you trust to come in and play valuable minutes, which is not really the case last year. So, you know, if you want to, you know, put Callahan in the slot and keep Asante on the outside, you can do that. If you want to move Asante to the slot and put Michael Davis on the outside, you can do that as well. So I've said this before and I still feel like this. And I, and I think training camp will kind of, you know, uh, lend itself towards this same kind of thought process. I think that you have JC and you have Asante start on the outside in base packages and then whatever you want to do in nickel and dime, you can bring in, uh, Bryce, you can bring in Michael Davis, or you can bring in JT woods and kind of just mix and match those three. But I believe Asante is going to take a big, big leap forward and, and be that outside guy and be a really good cornerback too in this league. So I think that's where that's going to stand. But, you know, if, if Michael Davis rebounds, then, then maybe he kind of returns to that starter form. I don't know. Yeah, either way, I love the options. Alex, any thoughts there? No, no same. Love the options. Um, not a whole lot of other takeaways from the state conference because I, I didn't think there was too much much other stuff to say but um no i definitely think bryce callahan and you know the theme is just kind of versatility throughout the defense and i think brennan's like talked a lot about that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, absolutely. So as Teresa says, you can tell Brandon Staley is very excited about the depth options that they have, uh, which is a far cry from last season so that being said let's uh dive into these tiers we're going to uh sort and rank if you will the chargers offensive key players based off of you know kind of how they're they stand in the league and you know are they in an all pro tier are they in a top 10 tier are they a solid option (laughs) we're kind of messing around as tyler has oriented this list um are they an average starter with upside are they just an average starter are they an emergency backup? <laughs> What's the last one say? I can't see it now. <laughs> oh, uh, F is a roster bubble slash practice squad player. All right. Which is my nice way of saying not good. <laughs> well, I guess I forgot D, which is emergency starter slash backup. Um, so we'll, we'll get started here. I, I think obviously we can all agree that Justin Herbert uh, is an all pro player, right? Uh, yes, while he technically hasn't been, uh, yeah, I would, I would put him in the S tier and that's fine by me. All pro, I kind of have all pro defined as like a top five at worst player and consistently. So yeah, that works for me. All right. I'm going to hide the ticker as well. I think that sounds good. Okay. So yeah, you know, I think Justin Herbert, there's, (laughs) I have to laugh because PFF used to be like, you know the the social team at least i should say was always kind of posting things that hated on justin herbert and now they're like is he top five is he top three (laughs) and so you know it is a a really interesting season for him of course but you know i do think that he's going to make that leap and you know regardless of what whoever fan base thinks uh, or whatever fan base thinks of his playoff record or lack thereof i think you, you if you watch film and study i think he definitely is an elite option so um, Alex, anybody else you think is uh, from the Chargers offense that belongs in the All Pro category? Um, probably not now. I mean, I think you can make the argument that Slater probably gets in there within the next few years. Um, I, I think it's just Herbert for now, though. Really? Rashawn Slater? Not- Come on, Steven, man. <laughs> you, wait, Steven, are you not going to put Rashawn Slater in All-Pro? He was an All-Pro last year. <laughs> okay, that's what I was asking. Well, I wasn't I sure mean, if you, were, if you said anybody else. Oh, you no, want to I mean, I, I think you I just wanted to not be the one kind of dominating the conversation. Yeah. Um, I would go Rashawn. Okay, I would completely understand why Rashawn Slater, even though he was the only one who... It's funny. I put a poll on Twitter. I put a poll here in the YouTube chat. About who is, you know, would you add to the S tier, which is on here is our all pros. And, you know, Rashawn Slater was like third on Twitter. He was fourth. He's the only one of that group who earned all pro. Um, I, I guess I could see why you wouldn't, because it's one year. Like even the her- year that Herbert had, I would probably put him like after, after, excuse me, after 2020, I'd probably put him like maybe in the B category, even though he played like an A, because you got to kind of earn it more. Right. So like, I'm split on that one, but I'm sure Steven wants uh, Rashawn Slater an <laughs> All-Pro. Um, and like the numbers basically do back it, and the film does back it. 
Um, I could go either way here. I'm not really opposed. I'm, I understand. I'm, I'm fine with putting him in all pro because he literally was an all pro. So if we just want to do that, that's fine. I was just saying more like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I guess in the context of all pro, like, is he a top like three guy, like or top five guy in the league right now? I mean, I think he certainly puts himself in that category, but I think that's like a firm yes on Justin Herbert very clearly amongst quarterbacks, whereas I don't think that's clear cut for her Slater, but I'm mm-hmm. fine with putting him in all pro, like because I do think he plays at an all pro level just by definition. Okay. Yeah, I th- I think you know you can have a conversation about is he top three? You know, if you mm-hmm. don't think he's top three, I don't necessarily blame you. Um, to me, Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman in the league, yeah. regardless of position. So he would be one on my list. Um, if you wanted to put Teron Armstead in that group, I mm-hmm. would understand it. Although he, of course, kind of has some injury issues. Same with Tyron Smith. I think you can make an argument for, of course, Tristan Wirfs to be in that conversation as somebody who was also an all-pro as a rookie. Um I think you could talk about some, you know, Lane Johnson conversation if you want to include right tackles, like I said, with Tristan Wirfs. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, you know, Rashawn Slater, in my opinion, of course, I'm, I'm biased, but I think if you watch his, the way that he played against elite competition, yeah, his numbers, his status as a rookie, as a run blocker, I think you, you absolutely have a conversation for being top five and in that all pro category. So I know what Alex is saying. But, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily holding it against him or anything like that. Yeah. But I think Rashawn Slater is absolutely one of the top five offensive tackles in the sport already and was an all pro last year. So for me, he's 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 there. Absolutely. Also yeah. depends on just how you do these lists. If it's more about what they've shown you, you know, that's different. again, second team all pro. Yeah. But there's also just that projection to the next, you know, to, to this year. And he apparently is one of the most improved players Duke Manyweather's worked with. Whatever that means. I mean, <laughs> Which he's is a, crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's Darla the fish killer now. Um, so he's... <laughs> I think he belongs the there. Um, I'm going to nominate, and it's up to you. I'll just throw him up here on the board. I'm going to nominate Corey Lindsley. I, I do think that if we are looking at, obviously, another guy who's been, I believe, an all-pro and then a Pro Bowl player last year, although that is fan voting. I mean, 14 pressures and one sack allowed in two seasons. Uh, I, I just think somebody who's that good and does every, tra- helped transform this offense and statistically is still, let's see, the highest pass blocking efficiency of any offensive lineman in the NFL last season with Creed Humphrey. I just think that like that is worth considering. And he's been an all pro. I do think he is top five at his position. No, I haven't watched all these centers to be able <laughs> to tell you that. But I do think he is a guy who has won it before has played excellent football in two years at least. Yeah, I think if you're a center to be in this category, you've obviously got to be a top three player. And, mm. and for me, Corey Lindsley is that. I, I think, you know, Brandon Thorne has really kind of swayed me on, on Ryan Jensen being the best center in the <laughs> league. And yeah. I, I think that's a totally fair argument. I think, you know, you're talking about more of a, a scheme-proof player. And so for me, if you're talking about second best player, you're probably talking about, uh, Lindsley, you're talking about Creed Humphrey, and you're talking about maybe like Eric McCoy or Ryan Kelly. So mm-hmm. for me, it really would be Lindsley or Creed as the second best. And yeah, I think if you're kind of looking at it the lens of, well, Corey's probably you know a little bit more scheme dependent than Creed is. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. hate anybody that's gonna talk about Creed over 
over Corey. Um, but Corey is absolutely top three in his position, so I would agree with that. Uh, I vote yes, too. And just for the chat, uh, this is about offensive players and their rankings compared to the rest of the league. And it is also just offensive players. I know people are bringing up like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. That's the next episode. So all offense this time. Yes, for the person who asked, there will be a special category for Emeka Egbule, but not this episode. <laughs> I think we already had that category up in the, the depth chart ranking. Is it I the just, same no. one or are you going to change it? Oh, I'll find another one. Don't worry. There's many uh, circles of hell. The hell he got creative. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I think the next place that we probably should start is I think Austin Eckler would be the next one to rank here. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, somebody that had 20 touchdowns last season, somebody that was, I think, sixth in the league regardless of position in, uh, or not regardless of position, but in terms of skill players and, and uh, scrimmage yards. Really, yeah. the only running back that outproduced him from a yards perspective was Jonathan Taylor. He obviously did not earn all pro. I think he was a pro bowl alternate, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was definitely not a pro bowl starter, but uh, I think you can, there's, there's a really interesting area for me for Austin Eckler. So uh, Alex, what do you make of where you would put Eckler in this category? Okay. Well, first, when we say top 10, are we just saying top 10 at their position? That's over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Austin Eckler is a top 10 running back, uh, probably somewhere between 5 and 10. But based on, you know, his year last year, um, ended up getting snubbed. He, he was snubbed from the Pro Bowl, right? Or, yeah, he was not a Pro Bowl. Yeah, he was not a Pro Bowl. How did we fail to do that? Yeah, I still don't understand how that worked and how he put up the season he did without being a Pro Bowler. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't get that at all. But Austin Eckler is a clear top 10 running back obviously that changes from year to year with guys getting older but um i think you put him in there right now uh i mean i guess the real question mark if we're just saying top 10 at their position and i don't necessarily like want to lean into this conversation but is keenan allen still a top 10 receiver i i do think yes but i've well, I guess we'll get to him in a bit. I have thoughts on mm-hmm. that overall. So, do you want to know who was a Pro Bowl running back instead of Austin Eckler? Oh, oh God. Um, crap. Uh, I, I remember somebody this, I hate. I don't remember it's it. not, well, Najee was Najee Pro Bowl? No, Najee wasn't either. And I think Najee has a better case than the guy who actually was. Oh, no. Who is, uh, what division? The AFC West. Was Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Uh, no, Josh Jacobs was a Pro Bowl oh, running back, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's like Clyde Edwards. It was Nick oh, okay. Chubb, obviously. Sure. That is very well That's deserved. Fine. Derrick Henry, which I kind of hate because he was injured, but I get it. And then Josh Jacobs was third. Okay. So I just don't take the Pro Bowl seriously. Put Eckler in the top <laughs> ten. Put, put Eckler in the top ten. We have to make a Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> top ten plus snub. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's absolutely a top 10. I think all pro probably a bit of a stretch because you're always yeah. going to have Taylor. You're always going to have Nick Chubb. You're going to have Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So Eckler would have to repeat last season's output to be an all pro player this year. And I just I, I don't see that happening with the addition of Isaiah Spiller and, and the amount of carries that he's going to uh, take. But I think Eckler and the value that he pre- provides as a receiver is definitely enough to put him in the top 10. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, we can talk about Keenan Allen now. I think mm -hmm. it definitely is a much tougher conversation with all of these young players that have come in with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And, and you know, you can make an argument probably for Devontae Smith, I guess. Probably not, but I've seen some people kind of float that around. So I think he's probably at the back end of the top 10 now, but I still think I would put him in the top 10. Yeah, I would. I was putting together a list to look at where Mike Williams kind of should be paid. And Keenan Allen, statistically among the highest paid wide receivers out of 21, was statistically, per play stuff, 12th in 2020 and 14th in 2021. So statistically, he's never really top 10 wide receiver. You just kind of have to acknowledge the skill set and what he can do, the career longevity, the respect that he has. I do think he fits in the top 10. But there's a legit chance that if there's a small decline in production this year and then a couple of guys jump into the league and just crush it, there is a legit you know, case for him not being in the top 10 next year. Sure. I don't think he's a top 10 receiver anymore. I already know I'm going to be outvoted two to three on this, so that's fine. And I don't really have an objection to his perception as a top 10 receiver. But if we are strictly going, are there 10 guys better than Keenan Allen? I think the answer is yes now. Um, I mean, like, just going down the list. I mean, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs. Uh, none of us are putting Keenan over Tyreek. I don't think we are. Uh, I think then you get into the debatables, and that's like, AJ Brown, Godwin, Lockett, and debating that with Keenan Allen. Oh, obviously. Sure. I, oh, I forgot. I forgot DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, so that's another one. And I don't think Christian Kirk. Uh, no, I didn't mention Christian Kirk. Uh, he's, he's getting paid <laughs> like it though. Congrats to, congrats to Christian Kirk for scamming the league. Uh, also, didn't mention Mike Evans. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would vote for him to not be in the top 10 if we're just strictly going top 10 at their position but i think he falls really anywhere between like top eight wide receiver and top 13 wide receiver i think it's hard for me to put deandre hopkins in that top 10 conversation and it would be harder for me to put him in than it would be keenan because he mm. didn't really produce at an all pro level in 2020 and he was injured last year he's going to be suspended this year so I think Hopkins is tough for me to put in the top 10. I think that's – did you mention C.D. Lamb? People are saying C.D. Lamb in the chat. Yes. Okay, because yeah. C.D. Lamb, absolutely not a top 10 receiver. And I, and you liked him. And I loved him. I loved him. He was my wide receiver one. I think he wasn't even the best receiver on his own team last year. So it would be really hard for me to put him in the top 10. No, okay. I mean, I think that's fair. That, that's also a bit of like a future projection thing. Um, sure, sure. Uh, are we putting McLaren over Keenan? No, I wouldn't. Mm, that one, I'm a little bit iffy on. I could go either way on that, but it's NFC yeah, East. I, mean, I bias. Get out of here. NFC East bias. I mean, he torches the whole league. Uh, imagine if you had a functional quarterback. But yeah, uh, sure. I mean, it's Carson Wentz this year, though. Sucks for him. Uh, so yeah. No, yeah. Just really quickly, so we have this out there, I guess. Uh, Keenan Allen had 106 catches last year, which was sixth in the league. 
yards uh, was 1,138, which is 12th in the league. Obviously, mm-hmm. he had his normal six touchdowns. Um, you can talk about yards <laughs> per route run, where he is um, a little bit lower. He's 22nd yeah, in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk about first down receptions, where he's very, very high in. Um, you can talk about first downs created, where he's fifth in the league. Yeah, passer rating when targeted, where he is. Wow, he's twenty fifth in passer rating when targeted. That one is surprising to me. Um, but I still think that there is enough numbers here to talk about him as as an elite player in the league. I think if you want to talk about projecting projecting C Lamb into a much higher role, I think yeah. you can absolutely do that because obviously Mari Cooper is gone. I think for me, I look at players who are like objectively better than Keenan Allen around the league. I think you talk about one Cooper Cup, two Devontae Adams. I would talk about Justin Jefferson, three. I would talk about Stephon Diggs, four. I would talk about um, maybe DK Metcalf. I would talk about Jamar Chase. I would talk about players like that. I think if you're getting into like Keenan Allen versus Mike Evans or Keenan Allen versus Chris Godwin, obviously Tyreek Hill is better than Keenan Allen in my opinion. So I think you're talking about a top seven to 12 player at his position now. And maybe he takes a step back. So maybe you're kind of knocking him for a little bit, a little bit this year, but I would still lean towards him being a top 10 guy at, at the receiver position personally. Yeah. And I think based on like consistency and production too, like if you want to compare him versus a guy like Deandre Hopkins, who's been injured, like obviously Deandre Hopkins at his best is, much better than Keenan Allen at his best, but yeah, I mean, I understand the the production argument and you know the fact that he's going to be suspended for six games this year. So if that leads him to being dropped down the rankings, uh, then I understand. I just think this conversation a year ago, two years ago, was very much like just open and shut, right? Like it was very much mm-hmm. okay. Keenan Allen's top six. Keenan Allen's you know somewhere between like top, probably never top four, but he was between like top five and top seven, easy. Versus now, I just think with the wide receiver depth around the league, it's a lot harder, right? It's a lot murkier, somewhere between sure. 7 and 12, 8 and 13, kind of like Steven said. So I could be torn either way on it, but uh, for now, I think he's still there. Yeah, he might end up being like 10th in my top 10 if I try to make a list, but yeah, he'll still make it. I don't know. And also, there's the bias. I'll, I'll kick somebody out. I don't care who it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the top 10. Um, is that it for the A tier? And then if it's the it for the A tier, in your opinion, maybe chat, what do you think we should go next? What tier should we do? Should we go F? Uh, what <laughs> what players what players are still left? So the obvious tier? one to debate is, is Mike Williams. But I don't know if people want to save that for a little no. bit later. Or I'm, I'm curious what the chat would actually think of where Mike Williams should go. But we'll see. <laughs> The category right People, after where it says number two option because he's the number two option. So I have a question, though. Why do Chargers fans hate Mike Evans so much? Is it just because Keenan Allen like specifically mentioned him as somebody he thought was better yes. than? Because there are some strong feelings about Mike Evans on, on Chargers social media. To be honest, I kind of hate Mike Evans. I mean... <laughs> I just think he's boring to watch. Like, that's my only opinion on him. Like, uh, right. like he's objectively a very good receiver. I just, I don't know. Like, I've, I mean, never, Mike, never Mike Evans, for what it's worth, Mike Evans has a thousand yard season in like 10 straight years. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and but... that's what Jameis Winston is as quarterback for five of those years. That's true. Well, but Jameis is also an advantage to that, though, because he would throw 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. <laughs> so, I mean, sure. that, that's not, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I don't, I don't have strong opinions on him. Like, I just... I think he sort of falls in the Keenan Allen vein of like, he's never been like a top five guy. Like he's always sure. kind of been in that conversation, but there's not like a decisive quality, like a Jefferson or a, a chase or an Adams, even where it's like, okay, this guy's top three for this reason. Like, so that's kind of how I feel about Mike Evans, but I mean, obviously he's been in the league long enough and has put up, you know, the number of a thousand yard seasons that he's have. So it's not like you yeah. could say he's like a compiler or anything like he's, he's good. Sure. If you want to argue that Keenan Allen is better than Mike Evans, I agree with you. I understand that, but people comparing him to David Boston or saying that he's ass, like, okay, like let's <laughs> calm down a little bit. Like yeah. he's, he's unquestionably a top 12 receiver in my opinion. I think it's just more, some of the perception things like he'll get one touchdown in 10 yards in one game. Someone's like, ha yeah. look, that's the only thing that he does. <laughs> or he plays I do with think Tom Brady. So it's like, I hate yeah. him too. Like I you hate watching him. I think, I, I do think there's a little bit of a Mike Williams component to his game where it's like, Oh, he just had 230 yards. Oh, then he had two straight games of 40 yards. <laughs> right. So it's like, there is that element to it too. I, sure. I, I don't just based on their builds and like, you know how their targets kind of vary from game to game yeah all right well i, I just had a because there were some strong opinions uh, going there about <laughs> my chat so i, I, I wanted yeah. some clarification there i guess but um all right let's talk about mike williams here since you know i have the pff sorted to receivers already so we'll just run down some things about mike williams uh receptions obviously a little bit down the list that's not really his thing he had 76 catches which was 24th in the league he had um 1,146 yards, which was 11th most in the league last year. He had nine touchdowns, which was eighth most in the league. Uh, let's go over to, um, I guess I should do yards per reception because that's where he's kind of known for. So he had 15.1 yards per reception, which was fourth in the league. This is sorted to 50% of the targets. So obviously somebody like Jalen Guyton or, or you know somebody like that would be higher. But um, yeah, so talk about yards per Route run, Mike Williams was 11th highest in the league, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, contested catches, he was second in the league. Terry McLaurin, first. So there you go, Alex. Uh, you know, some propaganda for you. Um, first, downs, first downs generated, excuse me. He was tied for 17th with 51. And then passer rating when targeted, he had the ninth best mark at 114.3. <laughs> Right behind Christian Kirk, Devonte Adams, and Jamal Chase. <laughs> That's where they paid him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you give me one more year that Mike Williams had last year. Give me one more year of that. I could throw him into the top ten potentially, but no, it was just that same thing that I did for Keenan Allen. I was it was for Mike Williams. I mean, yeah, Mike Williams was fifth last year when Keenan Allen was fourteenth, but the year before, Mike Williams was dead last. So you just need to show me a little bit more consistently outside of a contract year. And then I could maybe put you in the top 10. But for now, he's like a strong B-tier guy right now. Uh, Yeah, I mean, pretty strong B-tier guy, second option. Uh, Don't really think he has the potential to get to the first tier. Or like if we're talking about him as a top 10 guy, like 
partially because Keenan Allen's here and also because I feel like we kind of know what Mike Williams is at this point, which is very good, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Is there one quality that Mike Williams can get so much better at that he's going to be in the top, like, 10 decisively or, like, potentially top five? Like, I don't really see that happening personally. I get the one, like, okay, if he puts up another 1,100 yards and, you know, he continues his, like, current pace, like, yeah, eventually he'll have enough stats. But, like, I I just don't I, – I see him as somewhere between 10 and 15 uh, right now, and I think that's probably just where he stays, right? Like, I just don't see some uh, potential for him to get into top 10 at his own position. And that's not really either also because of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, the fact that they're, like, not decisively in that category. Like, I just think wide receivers are so deep around the league right now that you just have all yeah. these guys that are, you know, that you have to kind of, like, argue and, and fight with who's better, yeah. like that's just how deep the position is compared to what it was two or three years ago. Um, so for me, I would put Mike Williams probably between 10 and 15. If a couple guys get injured, like, yeah, I think he could climb into the top 10, but I think he probably just stays in that range. Yeah. I think if you're talking about like best case scenario for Mike Williams, I think you could make an argument for him being in the top 10, right? Cause there were like, we mentioned this on our last episode or they might've been the Q and a actually, um, you know, or there were a few games where Mike Williams was definitely under targeted and he was definitely getting mm-hmm. open. So, you know, in a, in a best case scenario, you know, he gets up to 1300, 1300 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, as Bart points out, he can improve the drops. You know, maybe you could make an argument at that point in terms of his best case scenario, he could be yeah. a top 10 guy, but I think he's comfortably in the B range. I, I would probably, end up bringing him somewhere in like the 12 to 18 range because Alex is, you know, talking about how many of these, you know, great receivers are in this, you know, league now. I think it's just crowded. So yeah. I think he's definitely uh, in the B tier here for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm actually surprised how unanimous that is in the chat, which I get, like, I, I totally mm-hmm. agree. And we all agree. I'm just surprised considering how much groundswell of support was him while he was getting his contract, which you get to understand is just, they were like, let's get rid of Keenan Allen. Let's trade Keenan Allen. But then the chat is unanimously dozens of comments. Oh, he's a you know B-tier guy. So yeah. it's, inter- it's interesting to see that work that way. All right, we'll, we'll pick up the pace a little bit here. Let's do the two Chargers guards at this point. Okay. I would put Zion Johnson in, or you can do, yeah, let's do Zion first. I'm putting Zion here in the category with upside. Because I think I feel strongly enough about him where I, I'm very comfortable about him being a solid starting level guard at this point. Maybe he kind of hits the ground running like Rashawn Slater did. I, I'm not necessarily going to predict that, but I think it is in his card. So I, I'm comfortable putting Zion Johnson in that range right there. Uh, would that change for you if you were staying on the left side? Uh, no. Okay. No. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a fair placement for him as a um i think you can make the argument that he's pretty pro ready and like i I actually wouldn't mind putting him in solid starter b category but we haven't seen him be a solid starter yet in the nfl so i i get the point of putting him there yeah Yeah, i think i think for me to be in like the solid starter number two like the b range for a guard like Mm -hmm. i think you you'd have you have to be like borderline elite 
And I, I think that's, again, I think that's in the cards, which is why I put him in like the upside category here. Mm-hmm. But I'm not putting, you know, Matt Filer in that range. And I think Matt Filer is a really, really, really good player for the Chargers. But I think with guards, you're talking about, you know, obviously for me, Quentin Nelson is in that range. You're talking about Joe Tooney is in that range. You're talking about um, Wyatt Teller for the Browns is in that mm-hmm. range. Alex Kappa for now the Buccaneers, I think, would be better in that same category. You know, so I think guard is just it's so hard to make it into that tier right away as a rookie, but I think it is possible. So I, I think I would put Zion there and I would put Matt Filer in the average starter category. I, I would put Filer in the average starter with upside. I'm not there's nothing really else to see, I guess, at this point, but I feel like he was better than an average starter. Yeah, I'd probably agree with putting Filer in C too fine so i guess tyler like when you're <laughs> oh, talking wait, oh, about oh sorry, sorry wait okay i'm i can't see with my glasses i meant that i would put him in the c plus uh category uh with zion johnson i guess i'm just asking like how how much better do you think matt filer can be than last year mm, i mean i guess i mm, i guess i'm saying Healthier. i already think he is that good right like this is kind of the thing right fearless, but like it's kind of like I wouldn't quite put him in that B tier, but I also wouldn't put him in the C tier. So I put him in C plus, even though I obviously don't, you know, he is what he is at this point, but it is, you know, very good. Like he stabilized that left side of the line along with Lindsley and, and Slater. So, you know, and we potentially talked about him kicking out to right tackle. Um, so for me, that that also could be the upside. Like if you think he's going to be better or stabilize that right tackle spot compared to what it was last year, like that is upside on some level for the team. Okay, uh, gotcha. so that that could be that could be a point for him. But I just feel like he falls in between B and C, and C plus falls in between B and C. So that's kind of where okay. I'm putting Tyler. I got gotcha. you. I guess I was just kind of thinking about this differently in terms of like mm-hmm. not necessarily being like a C level starter, but where he would rank in like specifically in the guard position, because I I think if you're talking like just about guards, then I think you kind of, I kind of translate that a little bit differently. Whereas if you're just talking like in general, like, are you a solid starter? Then sure. If you want to put Matt Filer in that same category, then I I, I guess I would understand it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, going into this, I was actually going to put Matt Filer in the B category, but like you said, like borderline elite. But then again, if my well, my Williams falls, I guess, into the solid starter number two option. I don't know. To me, I thought Matt Filer was a solid starter, eighth in run blocking grades, fifteenth in PBE. I think, you know, I guess C plus is kind of a special category from more of a guys we haven't seen yet sort of thing, and that's I think what you were okay. getting at. I, yeah. I would, I honestly was going to lean more if we didn't have that C plus category. I was leaning more B than C. So if okay. I'm not putting Filer in the upside category only because there's no upside left, he just, I mean, there is upside, but there's no like new undiscovered upside. I personally would put him. <sighs> B. Okay. Let, let's put, let's put Filer in the solid starter range. Okay. Because I, I think I was Ooh. just kind of in I was I was the one kind of interpreting it differently as a you know as it pertains to like you know how many how many solid starting guards are there really 
versus like how many elite players are there really. And I, I guess it is kind of different for receivers versus guards. Mm. So, you know, I can see where you guys are coming from. So we'll leave Matt Filer in the B, in the B range. Okay. I can handle that. Um, Larry Roundtree. <laughs> uh, Alex? Um, I'm putting Roundtree on the practice squad bubble, man. I really am. I, there, I would not even there, feel comfortable there, with him. Is there, being a tier, is there a cut tier? <laughs> is there... Practice roster bubble practice squad. We said that's is where there, is, is, is. There a squad, pra- is there a cut, but he doesn't make the practice squad tier. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, and you can put Joshua Kelly right next to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Roundtree is an F. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not saying these guys are F players. It's just roster bubble practice squad guys. And technically right now, if everyone's so high on Letty Brown or Kevin Marks Jr. making it over them, then they therefore are roster bubble practice squad guys. (laughs) So they are F players. If, like, let's say, you know... Obviously, this would be a disaster, right? But like, let's say Eckler gets hurt, Isaiah Spiller gets hurt. Are you handing the ball off fifteen times to Larry <laughs> Roundtree or Joshua Kelly? Kevin Marks, I handed off fifteen <laughs> times to Kevin Marks. <laughs> Me, no question, um, no question, no question. I would. I think I would rather at that point bring Adrian know. Peterson out of retirement. <laughs> He can win you a Super Bowl. <laughs> Is Laguerre Blunt still available? Oh, he won a Super Bowl. Bring Laguerre Blunt right in here. If Larry Roundtree had more than zero receiving yards, I would say him. But it's so hard. For, like Again, it's not quite his fault. But I would rather Larry Roundtree start, I think, than Joshua Kelly at this point. Right, I don't so let's, let's let's bump Roundtree up to the D range then, and we'll put Josh Kelly in the F range. With that said, I almost like Kelly's skill set more, but he's shown me uh, a little more concerning. Uh, he can actually run a little faster. He's a caught more than one pass. Can we put them both on the F tier? <laughs> um, I'm I'm fine. Whatever. <laughs> All right. All right, let's let's just uh, round out the running backs here. I, I think we can put Isaiah Spiller and right next to Zion Johnson. Wow, I didn't think you would do that. I would. That's where I was going to put him. I just didn't think that. You know, I guess you're a little more positive. Yeah, that's. But I'm that's, I agree. I'm fine, I'm fine with that based on what the category is as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're talking yeah. about an average starter with upside, whereas mm-hmm. I think, yeah, again, you know, Spiller's also, range of outcomes. Yeah. Sorry, Alex, what you say? I, I was just going to say, he's also very clearly the number two option on this team, right? Sure. So th- there's no discussion for him being three, third option based on who's behind him. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think you have to kind of by default put him in that category. Yeah. Sure. And I, I think if you're talking about Spiller's range of outcomes, of course, you know, part of that is what happens to Austin Eckler. But I think his right. ability as a runner and as a pass catcher for me would, you know, kind of separate him there. Whereas if he were just a runner... Yeah. Like if the Chargers had Zamir White in this situation, like let's say hypothetically, yeah, I would put Zamir White in the average starter because he offers basically right. zero as a mm-hmm. receiver. So I, I think the receiving ability is why I would put Spiller in the with upside category. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Cool. Uh, plus, I think like he could honestly sneak into here pretty quick because his line is so good. Yeah, if the line absolutely. pans out like it is, like he's just he's going to be a good back just because the line's really good. 
Absolutely. I think that's a very fair, you know, range of outcomes for Spiller for sure. Um, where do we want to put Gerald Everett? I, I, I think he's kind of my next person I want to talk about. Uh, based on how we've done these categories, I kind of say B. That's where I'd, I'd put him. Like, I, yeah. I kind of see that as like, you're not a top, well, obviously not a top 10 tight end. Right. But like, is he a, is he outside the top yeah. 20? I don't, I don't think so. So I, right. Me... Like he's, he's a top 20 tight end one around the league. And if, if that's, the, <laughs> if that's the discussion for like T one in general, sure. Yeah, I put him in B. I think worst case for him would be next to Spiller, right? Yeah, because the upside for him is he gets Justin Herbert, and so yeah, yeah, very true. And Russell Wilson doesn't like talking to tight ends, so I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I you could debate between B and C plus, but I based on his you know production recently, I'd put him in B. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let, let's put him in the B tier as well. Cool, I like it. All right, we we are just trying our best to avoid the uh, t- t- tackles at this point. <laughs> We'll save that for the end of the show. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up with that, I guess. Um, all right, what are uh, where are we putting Josh Palmer? Uh, uh, we we actually kind of made this kind of wow, it's tough because Spiller Palmer. Look, Palmer had in the three games he had more than thirty snaps, more you know, an average of fifty receiving yards and a touchdown in each of those games. I think he's an average starter with upside, although he's not really a starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends I, how you view Jalen Guyton as well and I how you really right. define starter. In the C tier. So you're putting him in the without upside tier? That sounds so okay, mean. But... But it's, it's <laughs> no, no, without... no, no, I'm, I'm not saying no. no. I'm like, like, I'm not saying that he doesn't have upside. I'm just saying like that's the tier that you would put him in. Yeah, and also just like there's in the case of Zion Johnson, it's like okay, he's starting from day one. In the case of Isaiah Spiller, it's okay, he's RB two immediately. Like the the path to production for Josh Palmer, I think, is murkier because it's like, all right, we think sure. Guyton's wide receiver three. You can make the argument that Palmer is, but even if Palmer takes that step forward, he projects as the number three option at his position on the team, no matter what. Um, so do I believe he can become better than an average starter? Like at some point in his career? Yes. But if we're just talking specifically 2022 based on his production last year, then I think he kind of has to be in the C category by default, just because I, I think the road to him getting the production needed to be put in the B tier is much murkier than like Spiller Johnson or even Jalen Guyton for that matter, because of how, uh, Jalen Guyton can kind of get those numbers. Tyler, how do you how are you interpreting this? Yeah, so for me, it's kind of like okay, it's more where I have Jalen Guyton. Like to me, right? Is he a is Jalen Guyton a backup? And what do I think he'll be a backup this year? I, I mean, I think he can take a nice small step forward. And to me, Jalen Guyton, granted as as a wide receiver three, is your starter number three option. To me, Palmer's a one tier above that. So wherever I have Guyton, I do think Palmer's one tier above that. And so to me, with Guyton as like an average number three sort of guy, I think Palmer with that plus makes a little bit more sense. Just one one bump ahead of him. So like if 
I, I guess the difference maker for me would be, you know, similar to like we were talking about with Kelly and Roundtree. If anything happens to Keenan or to Mike, I think we all have more confidence that Palmer would be yeah. the guy to kind of assume a larger role than Guyton. Yeah, I, I don't that, think I don't I think Guyton's role changes if other people in front mm-hmm. of him get injured. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that, I guess. Yeah. So uh, that's just kind of so I would put Palmer next to Spiller and then I would put Jalen Guyton in the average starter number three option range. Palmer there works for me. So um I mean Alex, would you have Guyton in the over here or would you put him more here? Uh no 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 he's above brown tree. Uh all brown tree so <laughs> uh no 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 do not put uh, Guyton uh in the in that same tier. All right, sounds yeah. good. And again, I've said this before, I feel like Jalen Guyton gets way too much hate on social yeah, media. I think he's absolutely. a solid number three option for a team. That's because uh, they only watch as, the broadcast angles. <laughs> as, as, as the people responsible for the GAC bump, even though Jalen Guyton called one of my questions crude, uh, he does not deserve to be in the same category. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So who do we have left besides the tackles? Xander Horvath? <laughs> Xander Horvath, baby. <laughs> Oh, I got Donald Parham and Trey McKitty too. All right, let's. Uh... Uh, Xander Horvath. I mean, he's a starter. He's a starter with upside, right? I mean, because he's a top he's ten a in his position. He's yeah. a, <laughs> he's top a ten as a fullback right away. <laughs> I mean, hey, how many ta- can you name them? I don't know. I don't know how I would, many teams use I mean, fullbacks these days, man. Okay, so does Horvath kind of have to be in starter with upside because he's going to be the starting fullback? <laughs> <laughs> like on, on that technical level, I feel is like he, he has to be in team last year. No, I think I, I mean is. <laughs> obviously Kyle Yushek is the best fullback in the league, and I think Patrick Ricard is probably second. Like I, I I'm gonna look this up now. I'm gonna look at how many <laughs> um I know the Raiders are gonna use one, I think. They did use one, I think they brought a different one over. Um, right. Chiefs have Janovich. Janovich, how do you say his name? Uh, is he still on that team? I don't know. I don't... <laughs> is Derek Watt still in the league? Where's Bobby Holly? He is, but they drafted Cam Hayward's brother, and I think oh, he's going right. to replace yeah. him. Yeah, that sucks for sucks for Dave, sucks for Derek. Um, so you, there's a fullback in Buffalo. There's Alec Ingold is not on the Raiders anymore, right? No, he's not. It's somebody else. Um, Jacob Johnson, the fullback in New England, I feel like it's pretty good. Are we just listing fullbacks around the league to see if Xander Horvath is better than him <laughs> right now? Is that really what we're doing? Dude, there's like legitimately like four fullbacks who are like, okay, this guy's really good at fullback. So I don't know, man. Are, I'm we, like, are, I feel... are we gonna put Xander Horvath next to Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler right now? <laughs> I think we should just do it. Okay? <laughs> I'm dying over here. But let's just put let's put Xander in the average starter with upside because like I don't know I, how I we want to quantify fine. how many fullbacks. <laughs> like Teresa, like name nine fullbacks better than Xander Horvath. I have I can name four. I can't name nine fullbacks. <laughs> oh, Nolan said CJ Ham. Okay, thank you. There's another one, so I can name five. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, that was too funny. All right, uh, let's do uh, Chicken Parm, Donald Parham next. Where are we putting him? Um, see, I think I like him in the upside category, 
but yeah, they just don't ever use him. Right. I like him in the upside category in theory and like I like him in there in theory but I think that you have to put him in the C until further notice also because of like the health issues like I mean that's the thing to consider there um and also like I think he can start when he's asked to right like if Gerald Everett had to miss a game like we would have confidence in Donald Parm stepping in but I, I sort of get the idea of putting him in the C plus range but for now until we see more I'm putting him in the C yeah I think that's fair I think yeah if you want to you know Nolan's pointing out you know the 6-8 ability the yards after catch ability yeah. you know red zone ability I think I would put him in the average starter with upside. I don't know if the Chargers would do that. Hmm. That's yeah, that's a good way of putting him too. You know, like I think he's in a tough spot because I feel like if they really viewed him as a long-term guy, they would have given him an extension. Hmm. Maybe. Oh, he only he has less than two hundred yards in, in two seasons. I mean, each yeah. season. Mm. So, I'd say uh, C. I don't know. I think we all really like the flashes. Right. We, and I think he obviously does have upside. But, like, if, if so if, again, same exercise. If Jared ever gets hurt, is Donald Parham going to give you 600 yards and six touchdowns? Or is it just going to be essentially we're just going to do funnel more targets to the receivers? And so I think it's probably the latter. So I would put Parham next to Jalen Guyton there. Okay. That's fine. I get it. And the, and the production honestly warrants it at this point. Not that it's entirely his fault, but I get it. Yeah. We do have DeAndre Carter, by the way, still. Okay. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's finish tight ends, though. Let's go with Trey McKitty here. I think you kind of have to put him in the D category. At this point, uh, yeah. Because he's just, until we see more, right? Like you guys just said. Um, right now, he's essentially just a blocker. I think he had like four targets last year, so... I would love to put him up higher, but and I think he can't get there after this season. But I, I think you got to leave him there. Yeah. Okay. Who are we left with? DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Carter. Carter, and then the tackles. I think Carter right next to McKitty. I think you kind of did that by accident, but I think that's fair. <laughs> I agree with that placement. All right. Who wants to start this one off? Uh oh, wait. Are we on Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins? What's the difference? Either one. What's the difference in the picture? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's start with Trey Pipkins. Um, D, I guess, I guess we're saying D tier. I, I think if I were to, it's so difficult because, like, I'm trying to bank on Pipkins' upside that he might have shown, but sure. that he never showed really. So let's start with Norton because Norton's the easier one to rank. F Nor- Norton is absolutely. <laughs> He's, a, he's an emergency starter or backup. I think that's comfortable for me. Uh, he's, not, he's not an average okay. starter. I think okay. statistically, in, in, he was one of the worst starters in the league. In but... relation to the Chargers roster, yes. But if the Chargers had a better starting right tackle right now, I feel like we would have him in F. Like, well, I don't, I don't think like I don't think that Storm Norton is a bad enough player to be a practice squad player. I think he if you put him on a different team, unless that team is just like, like obviously you put him on the Eagles who have an amazing yeah. group of tackles. You're not keeping Storm Norton on the roster, 
But I think mm-hmm. for the majority of the league, Storm Norton is at least, you know, a fourth tackle that makes the roster. So I think for me, I would put yeah. – I'm comfortable with putting Norton in the D range, emergency starter, backup category. Yeah, for what it's worth, I wrote it somewhere. His pro football focus rushing from blocking grade was what? Like, it, it, where the heck was it? Ah, oh, 14th out of 53 starters. So there's that. Mm. That feels way too high, but knowing <laughs> 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 what I know no. about Storm Norton's tape, I don't know. I cannot imagine why anybody would feel that highly about his run blocking. Um, um, but I, I'm fine with Norton there, and yeah. I think Pipkins deserves to go right there as well. That's fine with me. So we just uh, we just we just have the Joshua Kelly tier. That's <laughs> okay, this is what I'm saying. This feels mean to Joshua Kelly. It does feel really mean. It like I, I, because like him and Roundtree are kind of the same thing at this point. Like, are are we really saying Roundtree's that much better? I mean, I think the Chargers probably think that, but like, I don't know. They're kind of the I same think, thing to me. I think Kelly's fumbles make him at a, in a worse tier, personally. I yeah. guess. And, and we know what we, you know, Roundtree barely touched the field. Like, I think if you, I think if you watch the Washington game back, I think you probably come away pretty happy with Larry Roundtree. I know that you yeah. know, one of his runs was called back. I think that we haven't seen Kelly have that type of performance since week two last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fine oh, with dude. whether two running backs are ranked. I just, I feel bad that Kelly's by himself. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. So, anyone in the chat or on this show feel like Pipkins could be an average starter by season's end? Please make your case. Oh, people will make their case. You've already been crapped on on Twitter That's for true. not yeah. believing in Trey Pipkins. You hate the Chargers if you don't think Trey Pipkins is going to be the great right tackle. Yeah. Ninety percent of Chargers Twitter doesn't even know how to use that Express VPN to switch to UK Game Pass to watch Chris Hitchens. <laughs> shut up, Stephen. Yeah, I think you know people. People always say to me like, "Well, Duke said that he's improved," and and I I think Duke obviously knows a lot more about offensive line play than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right on cue, Duke. <laughs> that is hilarious, but. Like Duke really vouches for Will Hernandez and Billy Price, who are objectively awful NFL players. So mm. I think there's a lot of give and take here with people who, in their opinions, like I think Daniel Jeremiah is probably one of the best draft evaluators, but he has misses too. So yeah, in um, my opinion, like, from what I, I've I, seen from Trey Pipkins, I, I'm comfortable putting him as an emergency backup or emergency starter backup category. I, th- I think you make the argument that Trey Pipkins could be in like the C or C plus tier, like by the time the season is over. But right now, I mean, you have to put them in that tier and like, there's no, there's no team right now, or there's not many teams I should say, other than the chargers that Trey Pipkins is starting on. I think the chargers indeed might be like one of the only teams, maybe one of two or three teams that Trey Pipkins starts on. So yeah, like I'm based on that alone. Like I just if you wouldn't start for twenty eight or twenty nine teams, then I don't think you could be in the C or C plus tier. Like Guyton would probably be wide receiver two 
on more teams than Pipkins would be OT one. So same. Oh, same Pipkins! Thing Pipkins isn't OT one on any team in the league. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Parham is T one on more teams than Trey Pipkins is uh, OT one. So sure. Yeah. Like I, I think the range. Of, like if we if we had the space and we wanted to do a D plus with upside, I think we could pip. Pipkins there if we really wanted to be very nice, but that would not be that would not fit on the on the graphic. That was my pitch to get a C in most of my classes. (laughs) Like uh, my thinking was very mean to Joshua Kelly. Like I, I does, but we also uh, didn't put like the other like we didn't put Maurice French on here or Jason Moore. That's true. So, like, if we really wanted to, we could be a little bit nicer and put more players on here. But, you know, just with Trey Pipkins, like, I think people are saying, like, well, what he did last year was better than what Norton did. Like, I think Norton had two really, really terrible games against the Cowboys and the Raiders the last two games. But I think overall, Norton is about the same kind of level of player as Pipkins. I really do. And I think if you objectively look at, the film of what you watch Pipkins do against the Chiefs. You see a player who's getting a ton of help. You see a player who's getting a, a ton of scheme support. And you're not really watching him go up against any really good players against the Broncos because all the Broncos players were out with COVID that week. So I think you can make an argument that Pipkins has some upside here to get better. I don't think you can make an argument that that is legitimately what we saw last year. Yeah. Do you guys want to split it just to split it? Just so to really or do you want to keep no, him here? I don't want to no, I don't want to okay. create another tier just for Trey Pipkins. Oh no, I mean like I mean like putting Norton and Pipkins in separate categories. No, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I feel like they are the same player. Like I same agree. category of player. Yeah, I think you can argue Pipkins has more potential if you want to say that, but I mean he did have to be heavily helped in the games that he did play last year. And I mean, yeah, I I, I think I guess I would say Norton is bad, but also the good games Trey Pipkins has that people alleges are also weren't as good as people think they were. So I mean that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm fine putting you down same tier. And you know, Teresa saying Micah Parsons and Max Crosby made Storm look like Elytra. So they did that to everybody. And Literally they everybody. Done it to Pipkins too. Yeah. So Again, cool. like I, uh, the range of outcomes for Pipkins is that he improves out of this tier, but I don't think we can say that now because of what we have seen from him in the past. I mean, he were yes, right. he improved throughout the season, but he also gave up ten pressures in the preseason against like literal third string practice squad players in three games. So that's true. Like we, it's context of the whole season, not just what we saw in the Chiefs game where he had a ton of help in the Broncos game where they were not playing anybody good. Yep. Cool. Well, this is our, this is it, guys. Official list. I, I'm sure everyone on Twitter will agree with every single pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. I, I feel good about this list. Like I said, I think you can make certain arguments here and there. Maybe we split a category. But if you if, if you feel that strongly about Trey Pipkins. Show me, like, go watch the film of what you are seeing and show me. And I, if I think I'm wrong, I will gladly admit that. And so that's just how I feel. <laughs> Rank Senor Calamente. Can we create a tier lower than F? <laughs> also, he's not on the roster. And thank God for that. Oh, man. 
Where would you rank Brian Balaga's five snaps? <laughs> uh, I think because of Brian Balaga and who he is, you'd have to put him in this average starter with upside category. <laughs> if he plays. That's the upside. If he plays, that's the upside. The upside to play more than five snaps. All righty. Uh, All right, Tyler, Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for the evening? Uh, nope. Just happy to do that. That was fun. Can't wait to go to defense. I think that's a little more in flux, yeah. a little more interesting. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yep. Nope. Uh, excited to get to the defense and, you know, uh, split this into two episodes so we have more content in the long off season. You're not supposed to yeah. tell them that, Alex. <laughs> a little bit of inside <laughs> baseball. Uh, Butters pointing, Butters ID pointing out that we should do this after the season to see what changes. I think that's a good idea. Ooh, we'll we'll, we'll bookmark that and, and keep this for next year. So um that's gonna do it for us today guys thank you so much for tuning in those who are here in the chat appreciate all the comments and the feedback uh, and all the live conversations if you are listening to this uh on apple or spotify please leave us a rating or review we always appreciate all of that positive feedback so uh that's gonna do it for us today guys we'll see you later